Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of the Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome to the Are You Listening podcast. My name is Scott. I'm here with my friend Brand. How's it going, man? It's going great. I'm excited. I'm excited for this episode. I'm excited to be talking to you again. Because even though we didn't miss out on a uh, posting an episode, we missed out on recording an episode. So it feels like it's been forever since we've done this. It's true. It has been two weeks because we took a little break for Lucas's birthday uh, because I was busy that weekend. But we're here this week back again. Uh, Super stoked to talk about this record I gave you, Operation Ivy's Energy. Yeah, stoked. This is one I've kind of had in the back pocket waiting for the right time. And for some reason, this week was the right time. I'm going to say it's because we were coming off an Addicts episode. Like, we were definitely we're in a punk mood. Like, we were definitely yeah. in that style of mentality. Yeah, it definitely could be that. Operation Ivy was formed in May 1987. Uh, they're an American punk band that started in Berkeley, California. The band was stylistically important as one of the first bands to blend elements of hardcore punk and ska to create what would be known as ska punk big thing for me this is the origin this is the origin of this ska is punk pretty much where it started for this yeah like it was there was kind of a couple bands that were doing it all at the same time but like this is the beginning of what became less than jake and but if it, it, it it feels like this is just it like it feels like it's already in its realized form like it doesn't feel like this is them experimenting with it well i mean so I mean, punk was already a thing. We, yeah. We decided that when we did our Addicts episode last. That was already a thing in, you know, the late 70s, early 80s and on. Reggae has been a thing. So ska has its roots in reggae. That's been a thing forever in Jamaica and a lot in the UK. There was a lot of reggae going on in the UK, which made it way made its way over to america you know 80s so is that is that the route that it went because i i've always been aware mm-hmm. of the the reggae to ska connection but i i yeah. never i don't understand how it was connected it, it went it was from jamaica into the uk and then from the uk into the u.s i would say yes i'm not sure if there was a direct connection from jamaica to the u.s but i know that everything kind of branches off from reggae in jamaica i know that where it was originated but i was always wondered how it got so whitewashed and toned down <laughs> to be ska. um because basically that's that's kind of what happened kind of but i mean the ska thing has always been quite inclusive oh no i, I didn't mean it in a bad way i just meant that that the sound the sound okay. turned into a, a much more it's whitewashed a, sound it's had a, a whole bunch of evolutions and there, there's a whole bunch of different kind of like sub genres it's kind of like metal where you know you got your death metal you got your black metal you got your thrash you got all that stuff ska is kind of the same thing you have your reggae you have your two-tone you have your skate punk you have like 90s ska pop ska types of, like there's just tons out there and it all kind of originates yeah from like the the reggae going into two-tone kind of mixing a little bit of like 80s punk vibe and then 
traveling its way through the 90s and becoming you know adding the more hardcore element the hardcore punk element and just kind of evolving into skate punk and ska core operation ivy were also of extreme importance to the emergence of the east bay sound and lookout records original kind of slash temporary uh, home to bands such as pinhead gunpowder pansy division the mr t experience and green day green day got their start at lookout records i only know the name pinhead gunpowder yep because that was somebody's screen name on AIM. Oh, that's funny. That is Billy Joe from Green Day. I think that was yes. his first band. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Because it's because the dude was a big Green Day fan for a time. And then I'm sure he did like everybody else did and said... They're like, oh, I, American I, Idiot? Nah. Yeah. The band's name came from a series of two nuclear tests in 1952. The first of which dropped in Eulage Island yielding 10.4 megatons and completely vaporizing the island. Uh, the second test fired the highest yield nuclear fission weapon to date using only nuclear fission. Now, I don't know anything about nuclear fission or nuclear bombs, but I thought that was crazy. Yeah, and I was somehow, it may have been when I like looked into Operation Ivy in the past, mm-hmm. I may have learned of that also, but I did know that there was some kind of military operation and anytime the things are reported like that, where words like megatons are thrown around, oh, I'm lost. I I don't know what's happening. I yeah. I have no way to compare what a megaton is. Like, <laughs> how, like right. you, one megaton versus a hundred megatons. I get that one's more, but I don't understand the science. I'm I, not a yeah. I'm just a dumb man. I guess me <laughs> I'm too. just a dumb person. Like, just move move along. You need to give me that in terms of firecrackers, bro, because I have no idea. Like, how far could I feel it is what I need to know. Like, right. How far can I feel it? And then we're good. <laughs> right. The band consisted of Jesse Michaels on vocals, Dave Mello on drums and backing vocals, Matt McCall, a.k.a. Matt Freeman, on bass and backing vocals, and Lint, a.k.a. Tim Armstrong, on guitar is. and backing vocals. There it is. That was what I was waiting for this yeah. the entire time. Yeah. Uh, and, and as we get to my... Uh, track rundowns you'll see a lot of just me because i didn't look anything up i right. didn't look yeah, anything no. up but you, we will talk a lot about a certain tim armstrong <laughs> and a band that he's a part of later oh yeah because th- i mean this is where it started Th- this yeah. is yeah him and matt freeman th- very this interesting is, yeah musically this is where they started i think is matt freeman also in rancid yeah he's the bassist yeah i don't i didn't know like all the names i knew tim oh, armstrong okay. was involved and then What's the other? Is it Lars Fredrickson in Rancid? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's the other one I know. Yep. Uh, the band was a constant performer and staple at the Berkeley Punk Collective Center, 924 Gilman Street, known simply as Gilman, which is mostly associated with being the springboard for the 90s punk revival. So Gilman is the heart of where East Bay punk started in the 90s. So it is the CBGBs of... The East Bay punk scene. The 90s punk scene, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I, that's just a good way to compare it, I guess. Because any anytime you hear CBGBs, it, that's what it's called, right? CBGBs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you hear that, that, that's all you hear is that it was the it was the heart of the hardcore scene. It was the heart of the punk scene. Okay. Which is crazy okay. because CBGB stands for Country Blue Glass and Blues. Yeah. <laughs> In October 1987, the band made its recording debut with a track, I Got No. Featured on Maximum Rock and Roll's compilation, Turn It Around. They would then go on to sign to Lookout Records in January 1988 and release their debut 7-inch EP, Hectic. Operation Ivy recorded its only studio album, Energy, through Lookout in January in the January to March in 1989. The band broke up two months later in May, and their last official performance was May 28, 1989. This was also Green Day's first performance with the name green day at gilman at what was supposed to be operation ivy's record release party why why like why do they break up like if they they were the start of this thing that you know revolutionized shit why why did they not continue like what what happened because i'm just i'm just always used to hear i mean the only idea i had of operation ivy was like some of the coolest people when i was probably like i don't know 14 13 like the coolest people would have like operation ivy stickers or shit or like oh yeah ivy shirts and i but i never it was like one rung before me 
You know what I mean? Like I was listening to Rancid, right. so I didn't need Operation right. Ivy. Yeah. Uh, the way I got into Operation Ivy, I was listening to Suicide Machines on the bus. Okay. And this this cool punk kid who went to public school like sat next to me in the same bus seat all the time. Like, I think I like switched out the CD or something and I put suicide machines in my disc man. And he was like, what are you listening to? And I told him, he was like, he pulled out his disc man, pulled out the operation Ivy CD. And he was like, here, listen to this for the rest of the day. Give it back to me on our ride home. <laughs> so, so like I traded CDs with this dude and got like the basis of the suicide machines from years before. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. But like, isn't that the dream at that age when you're when you're listening to like your music? The dream is to get somebody to say, hey, what are you listening to? Because yeah. all you want to do. I mean, that's so what, proud. That's currently what we are doing. <laughs> this podcast. Yeah, it is an updated yeah. 2020 version of that bus ride for me. Yeah, you're not wrong. This, <laughs> this podcast is us opening up a CD player slowly. For and sure. Fiddling around with the CD to make sure people see what we're putting in and out. Yeah. Up in the air, be like, oh, man, this is just this disc is just not working correctly. I, oh. I feel exposed. I feel exposed <laughs> now that you pointed it out. <laughs> Definitely feel a little exposed. The breakup was just Michaels had decided to leave the group uh, a few weeks before the concert, before the uh, the record release party. Lint and McCall, a.k.a. Armstrong and Freeman, went to Livermore, who was the the guy who operated Gilman Street and owned and operated Lookout Records. They went to him looking utterly shell-shocked and revealed that Michaels had decided to leave the group and that they intended to break up. I remember me and Jesse were on Telegraph. I was buying him some beer, Lint later said. Me and him talked about how the band wasn't really what it was when it started. It was a mutual thing. That's one thing that's not usually told. It wasn't like he quit. It was like, yeah, we're not really into it anymore. As a result, the planned record release party became the band's last public performance. They later played one more private show the following day in Robert Eggplant's backyard in Pinole, California. It's weird. I mean, I guess good for them for knowing that it wasn't going to work. Maybe they maybe they didn't get along as well as they wanted to anymore. I don't yeah. know. But that's just it's just weird. Yeah, it's like they weren't really a band for that long. And like yeah. in the grand scheme of things, they were only a band for two years. But because they ushered in this brand new kind of sound, everybody holds them super high on a pedestal and like always wondering why did they break up? Like they could have had so much more going on. And like, I'm I'm one of those dudes. I wish they would have put out a second record and kept going. There has to be other instances of that. Like, what are some other instances of bands that, like one record and done or no, like bands that completely like change a sound and then done. Cause there, there, it has to happen more because there's no way that entire band decided they did that. Like once that album comes out, some of those members of those bands probably didn't want to play that type of music. I mean, Maybe they, that's what happened. They all went on to do different projects. I have yeah, that kind of obviously. as a cleanup note yeah. uh, later on, but I mean, Armstrong did and Freeman all, did, went to do rancid, which is, which is Operation Ivy 2.0. Exactly. And did the other guys' projects sound similar to Operation Ivy? I know Jesse Michaels did a project called Common Writer that didn't really sound like Operation Ivy at all. So maybe that was it. Maybe he just... Maybe we figured it out. <laughs> that, could, that could be it. Maybe he just didn't want to do the sound anymore. I didn't really get into Common Writer as much as I got into Rancid. I kind of went... Welcome to Are You Listening? Colon Punk Detective. <laughs> <laughs> We figured it out. We got there. Energy was released May 28th, 1989. It contains 19 tracks and has a runtime of 36 minutes and 48 seconds. Despite achieving no mainstream success, Energy is considered one of the most important albums of ska punk and is frequently cited as an influence by many later bands of the genre. The album also showcased Jesse Michael's artwork on the front cover. Yeah, the singer did the, the artwork for the album cover. And that album cover is awesome. I lo I love the artwork on it. There was a certain point in my life when I was just learning about all kinds of like all kind of music. Like you're diving into things. Yeah, I'd say that that character is one of the most recognizable. I mean, there was a point where it was probably up there with like the Rolling Stones mouth to me. Like, oh yeah, that, that, they, that's how big it was. And how much I saw it with just the people that I was like, yeah, they're so cool. Yeah, it was all <laughs> over the place. Like I had patches and uh, stickers and all that of that of that. 
guy. Yeah, that was they were very good at merchandising that. <laughs> whether it yeah. was whether it was, was forced or whether it was natural, it was it definitely had its rounds. Oh, for sure. I'll give you some some billboard <laughs> music facts going on in 89. After we know all these, let's go. Yeah, the number one single on Billboard Hot 100, May 28th, 1989 was Forever Your Girl by Paul Abdul. No. I don't know if I've ever heard a Paul Abdul song to be really to be honest with you. I mean, What's that, her, what was, what was her giant hit? I have no was idea. That one? It's not that one, right? I don't think so. I don't yeah, know. I was, no, I don't, I'm not a Paul Abdul type dude. Yeah. No, Paul Abdul completely missed me. Like my parents were too old to be listening to Paul Abdul. And yeah. then I only learned of Paul Abdul on American Idol. Oh, wow. Okay. The number one album on Billboard 200, May 28th, 1989 was Madonna's Like a Prayer. That's a big album. Yeah, it is. Other albums released May 89, The Cure Disintegrations album. That is actually one that I'm hoping you give me at some point because I've wanted to try The Cure. Yeah, it, right now it's between it's between two albums that I'm going to give you eventually. Maybe in the maybe in the near future. Maybe I'll move that one up a bit. Morbid Angel came out with Altars of Madness. Oh, their debut. Is that their debut? That is their debut and it's not like I'm the smartest dude in the world for knowing that. It's because their records go in alphabetical order. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah. Yeah, Altars of Madness. Bah. Now, see, nope. we're done. There's a B. There's a B. <laughs> there's a B. And then C is Covenant. D is Domination. E is Eternal something, maybe. Okay. And then, like, even they'll even have a live album with it just starts with F. Like, that'll be the, oh, like, okay. all of their albums are just in go alphabetical, alphabetical order. order. Which is, I wish more bands did it. Like it made That's me so cool. excited. Yeah. It made me so excited to listen to their discography. I might revisit. I loved their discography. Yeah, I don't think I've ever listened to Morbid Angel at all. Yeah, it's it's. I will say that it took me a while to understand why things were happening. Mm-hmm. But you also have to put your head your head in like the the time frame. They were pretty. They were fairly early. Yeah, eighty nine. Yeah, Doctor John came out with in a sentimental mood. I'm a Doctor John I- fan. I don't know who Dr. John is. He is uh, like Louisiana kind of jazz, like that Louisiana jazz type vibe. Definitely. That's a Cajun kind of stuff. Blind spot for me. Blind spot for me. The only Cajun I know is Gambit and those people that hunt alligators on TLC. (laughs) Also, Reba McIntyre's Sweet 16 came out in May 89. Have you listened to Reba albums? Yeah, my mom was super into her. I don't know if I've ever listened to a full rebound. I've listened to like tracks here and there and I love her sitcom. That's not even a joke. <laughs> no, that's legit. <laughs> we watch the reruns here all the time. I love it so much. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever listened to a full rebound album and I think I should because I love the hits. Like I love the singles. Yeah. I own a Reba jacket. Yeah, I know you do. You're I bought it mainly fan. because of the sitcom. Though. Right. That's not, if I'm being 100% honest. I'm not going to be out here telling lies. If right. I bought it, I was like, I love the sitcom. <laughs> the show's so good. That's all I have for notes. You want to dive into your track by track? Yeah, I think we can do that. I think we can get Sweet. into it, get involved here. Let's do it. We got 19 tracks to roll through, so... Yeah, but if it goes as, if if we roll through these as fast as the tracks roll through, then we're out of here Dude, quick. They're fast, right? <laughs> like, that doesn't seem like yeah. 19 tracks. There's a, no- I mean, that's a note on some of these tracks. It just flies by. Yeah. So the opener, we have knowledge. Yes, sir. And I just have definitely rancid. Yeah. Like th- that. <laughs> I as soon as it started, I was like definitely rancid. And then I love this shit. Like this is great. Yeah. There are moments, and we'll we'll get into like certain areas later, maybe. But there's there's moments that rancid gets a little too much on things for me sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Like if they go too heavy into a certain aspect, but when it's going hard, like 50, 50 ska and punk, I'm, yeah. I'm really, really good. And then this, the first one's great. The, I mean, the whole thing about operation Ivy, it's the birthplace of rancid. Like this is where rancid, yeah. this is, yeah, you could tell. Yeah. It's pre rancid. This is where Tim Armstrong came up with all the rancid stuff. Yeah. And it, it's, it's rancid. Yeah. Like you, you, I, I listened to it and I said, this is definitely rancid. Yeah. I, and that was without knowing, any of that before like I, I had an idea they were connected somehow with rancid but sure. i didn't know how yeah. i didn't know if it was just like a huge influence or something yeah knowledge has been covered by tons of artists okay i, I know the the closest i'll ever come to seeing an operation ivy song played live is green day plays this all the time 
Okay. I've been to I've been to like four or five Green Day shows, and I'm pretty sure they've played it every single time. And almost every time they have a kid come up from the crowd and play the guitar for it. Okay. I don't know. Green Day shows does not sound like something I'd be into. I <laughs> there was a time in my life. Yeah. That, and I'm not I'm not shaming you for that. I'm no. just saving saying like I don't like if I was if I somehow made it to a Green Day show yeah. and I'm already like, oh, this is Green Day. Okay. I'm just gonna I'm gonna try and enjoy myself. Sure. And then I just hear Let's get a twelve-year-old up here. I'm probably just gonna, I'm just gonna go. Well, I'm I'm gonna go sit in the car, guys. Right. I'll uh, I'll see you guys later. Actually, one one Green Day show. I worked at the mall at a pretzel store across the hallway from Hot Topic. Okay. I saw Trey Cool, the drummer for Green Day, walking into Hot Topic. That's <laughs> a wild thing, and that's a very, it's a very specific time period that that could happen. Right. I hopped my counter for the pretzel store. <laughs> Told, like, a, like, like a like a movie, like a nineties movie, dude. It was a movie for sure. I told whoever I was working with that day to sit tight. I'll be back in a few minutes. Went to Hot Topic, saw Trey Cool just standing in the middle of Hot Topic. I'm like, I'm sorry, I you know I don't want to be one of those guys, but I just wanted to come up and say how much I appreciate you and your band. Because at the time, this was pre American Idiot. This was. Yeah. Can't have been Nimrod. It was probably Warning. I did know all those things, by the way. I don't know why Dookie's the only one I could come up with. Because <laughs> it's the best one. But uh, <laughs> like I, I went up to him. I was like, I, I love your band. Like you guys are, you know, a huge part of my my growing up, and love you guys. I didn't get tickets to your show, but I wish I could be there. You know, just kind of not fishing for it, but just like showing appreciation. And I was like, you know, I gotta get. Let me go get back to work. And he was like, hey, I know you don't got tickets, but if you can be there tomorrow, give me your name. I'll put you on the list. I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. So I gave him my name. Then Mike Dirt came up, who is the bassist for Green Day, told told Trey Cool that their table at the Rainforest Cafe was ready. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I took the next day off, rolled up to the Palace of Auburn Hills, told the... Uh, ticket holder guy my name and he was like yeah come on back and i hung out backstage i saw tom DeLong and mark hoppus and travis barker because blink 182 was on the bill too i opened up the that door is insane dude i held the door for tom DeLong. he walked by me he was like thanks i was like yeah no problem you know that had to that had to feel surreal dude it point. was so it was so wild and then like and how old were you like at that point like how old were you 18 19 yeah, that's a wild time to feel that. Too. No, pr- like, I was working at the pretzel that. store. I had to be 20, 2021. So I was like, and, and by the way, I know, I know you mean, I know you mean 20, 21 years old, but yeah. I like the idea of you working at a pretzel store last year oh, and no. opening a door for Mark <laughs> office. Yeah, no, uh, right this way, right this way, right pretzels right, are this right way, here, right here. And then the opening band was saves the day who I was huge into. So That's then awesome. I got to I got to meet uh, Chris, who is the singer guitarist for Saves the Day. I got to meet him. Um, That's awesome. And then That's a it's a wild story, dude. I had so we had seats, watched Saves the Day and Green Day in the seats, and then for Blink One Eighty Two, I got to stand side side stage. I've always anytime I ever went to a show and seen those random people standing side stage, I was just always like, I don't understand how. But that's how you just got to work at a pretzel store in the mall. And get VIP tickets. <laughs> yeah. right it was Backstage wild. Passes. It was so crazy. That is crazy. The closest I ever got to that side stage was the had to be the manager of Double Wars Prada walked through the crowd from the stage at me to ask me if I was all right because <laughs> I had my hood up and I was ready to fucking mosh so hard. I guess I was like staring at the stage. Oh no, dude. And he's like, hey, man, everything all right? And I was like, yeah, I'm just ready to wash, man. He's like, all right, you're just looking a little crazy here. I just want to make sure everything's fine. I was like, yeah, we're, we're good, man. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go push some people now. We were talking about knowledge, and I was saying that uh, a lot of bands have, have covered that. You might have heard it previously. Evergreen Terrace covered it on their cover. Is album. it on an album? Yeah. Then, yeah, I definitely heard it. It was on their cover album, Writer's Block. Yep, I def- I've definitely heard it then, but not knowing not that version yeah. Operation Ivy. You yeah. know what I mean? I not even knowing. I'm going to be honest. Their writer's block album, I would appreciate much more now 
because okay. when I listened to it back then, I didn't know most of the songs they were covering. Right. Yeah. And and to kind of appreciate a cover, you need to know the original song. For sure. Yeah. Or it's just a new song you're hearing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Machine Gun Kelly even used a lyric from Knowledge on his song, All I Know, which was released on his 2020 album, Tickets to My Downfall. Uh, Jesse, Jesse Michaels confirmed on his Instagram that the members of Operation Ivy had licensed the lyric to MGK. Okay, so good for that, man. Yeah. The, the MGK fan in 2022 is a wild person right now. Yeah, it's not me. Uh, I'm not I'm not anti-MGK. I, I don't listen to what he's doing, but I don't care either. It's not it's not for me. And I, the people who enjoy it, I hope they enjoy the shit out of it. Yeah, I, it's not for me. I've not heard good things about that pop punk record that he just put out. Good luck to MGK and MGK fans. Yeah. Like, I... I liked MGK when he was a, a rapper, a, a rapper from Cleveland yeah. that I thought was spitting. I'm gonna be. I that even liked that song he did with Waka Flocka. He even did a song with Waka Flocka that I was that I was in, but that listening to now, it's not good. It's not. <laughs> right. But there was some part about MGK that I, I connected with the hypeness of it. I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm good on MGK now. But I'm also not going to shame MGK fans. Yeah. Second track is Sound System, mm-hmm. and I have still definitely rancid. Yeah. And then just with more ska. Yeah, right. And then I have a question sure. about about ska in general. Okay. What's the origin of pick it up, pick it up? What, what's <laughs> the, I have no the idea, origin? but I love it. <laughs> I because I, I don't you don't hear it anywhere else. No, That's the only it's just a ska thing. Yeah. So what I need to know the origin of the pick it ups because it's something. Yeah. There's something happening. I love it. But that song. So there was a Tim Armstrong concert that was going on jesse michaels showed up and they played this song together for the first time in forever just blowing like 30 whole people's minds (laughs) (laughs) jesse michaels there's a video of it up on youtube this is how i how i saw it yeah at the beginning of the video jesse michaels looks so uncomfortable oh that's a bummer but then by the end he is vibing dude (laughs) (laughs) But if it is the first time they've performed together in in a long time, from what I understand, yeah. like I, I don't remember hearing about them performing together before this. After '89, they might yeah. they might have. I don't know. Maybe I just didn't have my ear to the ground at the time. But yeah, that that one performance, the floodgates are open for the rumors. Even though he looked super uncomfortable, just, just at the beginning, I. I got to think that coming back to perform one song with Tim Armstrong, who's been doing Rancid, which is basically, like you said, Operation Ivy 2.0 yeah. forever, him coming back and getting back into that vibe, especially with sound system. The the way that he sings the lyrics in that song is so fast, like so many yeah. syllables going on in that first verse. Yeah. I have read these lyrics front to back multiple times i have them memorized in my head i can't sing them for the life of me along with this song well you're not picking it up enough then. i'm not pick it up i'm not picking it up but yeah seeing that seeing them back together again playing this song i was like oh my gosh it's awesome but i don't know that i want a reunion like is that bad like i don't want a record after 30 years yeah that's what i was gonna say what if they get back together and put out a shit album? that's what i'm saying like i just don't want that to ha- i want this one album to live in infamy and just but, the be, album, but we also remember the album still exists. Like the right. album still lives. I get it. <laughs> but they're one band that I can be like, they made a throne album and then we're just like, I'm done. Next up, we have Jaded. Mm-hmm. And I have that this is very much not rancid until the hook. Right. So like it feels it, this feels very much like this would be what you would I would consider an Operation Ivy song. Sure. But then I, then I also feel like if you take parts like the first song is kind of a more of a punk track mm-hmm. the second one is kind of more of a slower ska track yeah and then this one is well definitively not what a lot of rancid is it's like rancid takes the pieces out of each of those like all three puts them together and that's what rancid is right like they just picked out the best condiments that are operation <laughs> Ivy had, put them in their burrito and said let's <laughs> ska down maybe like we don't need the beans we'll take all the rest of the stuff though <laughs> But I think it is weird that I've never, I don't consider Rancid, like, I when I think of Rancid, I think punk. I don't think ska. Right. But they have but so they have, much ska. Yeah, they have a bunch of ska in there. 
it, yeah, it's really interesting because Operation Ivy is the opposite way. Yeah. I feel like Operation Ivy is classified as ska, be- well, because they were they, the, you know, yep. they kind of started gate, it. <laughs> the, gate, the gate openers. Yeah. Next song is Take Warning. And this is a slow ska track. Yep. And it is a jammer. This yeah. is just a, a lean back, let this track happen. Once we get through it, we'll see where we're at. Like, it's just yeah. a nice, fun, slow ska jammer. Yeah. It's hard to say a lot about some of these tracks because of how fast they are. They're like, super fast. It, like, it's hard to. I don't think there's one over three minutes. No, and I'm not against it. Yeah. <laughs> but it also, when it comes to what we do here, it's not easy to voice an opinion on a track that's 42 seconds long sometimes. <laughs> right. Uh, speaking of which, we'll go to the crowd. Yeah. This sounds more different than the others. Okay. And I have This Is Wild. It's all familiar sounding, but I don't recognize it. And sure. that's because of the Rancid. Like, yeah. I, I've listened to Rancid for many years. So I, it sounds like Rancid, but I don't recognize it because it isn't Rancid. Right. The thing about this record, there's so much variety, but it sounds so similar. Like every song sounds incredibly similar, but the, yeah, they all have different sounds. It's honestly a compilation album like that. That's what it's because there's no like real through line. There's no I mean, I'll drop it. There's no real bookend test for this. Like, sure. It's hard to yeah. do with this. Right. Especially for the amount of tracks and the speed that we get through them. Right. Yeah. There's no real bookend test. Well, yeah. 19 songs in 36 minutes. Like the next track bombshell. All I have for it is that it's quick and it flies by. Yep. She's I, I have nothing against it. She's a bombshell. Next track is Unity. I feel like it's relevant. I don't want to get into like talking about that shit right. now yeah. because this this isn't a this isn't a world events podcast. No. But but it's just it, it felt very relevant. It was very scotty. Yeah. I put there was there's heavy ska on this, yeah. and it was great. It was a, it was a great track. I could see a lot of this, and I think the reason I don't listen to a lot of ska stuff mm-hmm. is because I, I listen to it differently. Okay. Because when I, when I listen to other music, it's more like stepping back and observing what's happening mm-hmm. as opposed to like ska and some of the less produced punk stuff. It's more about just being in it. Sure. Yeah. And I think I'm. it's easier for me to step back and look at something than it is for me to jump in it and get involved. And that's what this stuff makes me feel like, though. Like Operation Ivy, I wanted to just get out there and two-step to whatever is going on and just dance around because it's it's good. You got to be in it. Yeah. I'm in it. And yeah. that's what a lot of these tracks do. Right. It took me a while to take notes on any of these tracks because I would start and then three tracks in, I'm just sucked into it. Right. And I don't, I'm, I'm just, I'm just letting the tracks fly by. And then I hear something I'm like, Oh, I should write something up about this. And I look at my thing and there's six songs that went by and I'm just <laughs> enjoying it. I just get yeah. lost in this album. Right. Next track is Vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Everything just sounds like an aspect of Rancid, and I love it, but it confuses me. Okay. That's that's just where I'm at. And it all makes sense now, knowing who the band members were, knowing (laughs) that this is what Rancid is, essentially. Yeah, because you you took these notes without knowing, like 100% knowing. Yeah, I knew there was some connection, but I didn't know it was... I I think I probably assumed it was something like that, Mm -hmm. Especially after hearing some of these, I'm like, yeah, it's rancid. I mean, no way around it. Tim's voice is all over this thing, so yeah, and it hasn't changed. It's which is weird because it's a very definitive voice. Yeah, it's a very one of a kind voice. When you hear his voice, like you know it's him. Yes, without a doubt. I've never heard it and been like, is that (laughs) right? Next track is Bank Shot. Bank Shot. If I ever heard a track by them, it is this, which doesn't really Really? make a lot of sense because there's. There's not like vocals. Really. Yeah, no, it's, it's just an instrumental that they yell bank shot. Yeah, <laughs> but it fe- this this track feels very late, like mid to late '90s epitaph. Okay, like that's that's the sound that I feel, and it would just be that skate punk sound that you're talking yeah. about, like the Scott skate punk. Yeah. Next track is one of these days. I have mm-hmm. written down not great, actually bad. Okay, but it fits in, and I don't hate it. Okay, <laughs> this is actually a cover song. Yeah, of Nancy Sinatra. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. That's why that's why like it started out I was like, "Oh, this isn't great. No, this is actually bad, but it does fit in with what they're doing." <laughs> yeah. it just... It's a wild song. Yeah, it's it's a wild uh thing to throw in on this record. I would say the record doesn't even feel maybe it's not even a compilation. It just feels like it was recorded 
of it was just a practice session of them sure. that was recorded and produced down because this is the kind of song that would happen if you're just jamming it's like yeah all right this is what we did it that sounds cool right and it probably it probably was that kind of recording session because late 80s for a sound that was not there and they weren't a huge band they didn't have a huge studio and they were on lookout records which the recording process was probably done at gilman they had no budget i'm sure next track gonna find you yep and I had some suicidal tendency vibes early on. Okay, on I can see that. Yeah, with the with like the spoken word and then the kind of grooving two step riff it had. Yeah. Then it just turns into a punk ripper. I can hear some some bits of anti flag like picked out. Of oh, there thing. you go. Next track, Bad Town. Mm-hmm. The horn opener lets you know what we're about to get. Yeah, like it opens with that horn, and it's like you know what's coming. I now. love that horn. There's no debate. I love it. This is going to be a ska bouncer. Oh, yeah. And it's going to continue. Yep. The only part that bothers me about this track. Okay. The only part about this track at all is that I, it took me so long to get the cadence of what's being said with the shouts. Sure. No, no more. No. Bad town. Yeah. Because no, no more. No, doesn't work in my head. Sure. I got you. (laughs) But it, this is the first one to me that felt like a real song. Like it felt like they put time and effort into the writing process and it wasn't just a Scott Punk, like we're just going to improvise and then get what happens. Okay. <laughs> it felt complete. Maybe that's sure. Like I got some you. of the other tracks are good and fast. This one felt complete. Like a real track. Yeah. It's structured. Yes. It wasn't a quick thrown together punk track mm-hmm. that a lot of their shit felt like. Right. Which isn't bad. I know that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Next track, Smiling, uh, back-to-back Stone Cold Classics. This track <laughs> is amazing. This track is great. It's it's ska-heavy, but has excellent drums that are simple. Mm-hmm. And the drums feel like when I would dick around at a band practice on the drums and not know how to play the drums, <laughs> right. that would be that would be my fill. That's my fill every time. Right. Every time that's my fill, because I don't know how to do a fill. Both hands going at the same time. It felt like another track that came from a jam session. Like it felt like they were just like, This is this is sick. We gotta get we gotta we gotta get this thing down. Yeah. I think that was just this band. Like I think that's just what they did. And I think that's why it's so weird they broke up is how fun it actually is. Like it's it's very fun music. So if they're not having fun playing it, it's weird to think that they did play. I wonder if like the the political lyrical aspects had anything to do with it, just because like the lyrics in some of these songs are super heavy. Yeah, it's a possibility. You know what I mean? And then trying to live that yeah. all the time while playing fun music. It's probably going to get tiring. Yeah, probably. You're right. That, that that might be an aspect of it. Like, don't you get me wrong. Know. Unity is great. Like, I love the idea of it. But yeah. it's so draining to try and force that to happen. I agree. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Especially, lot, especially at of- that time when, like, the late 80s, you're getting picked on for being a punk. You know what I mean? Like you're getting beat up for being a punk. It's it's just got to be a rough lifestyle. It just had to be so much work to be a punk back then. Next track is Caution. Again, catchy, quick, solid. The bass is the shining star of this. Oh, album. yeah. The bass rips on this yeah. thing. It sounds sounds great. Matt Freeman was all over this track. Oh, 100%. I mean, yeah, that thing, that thing sounds great. Matt McCall. That, that would be... That would be a song that I would show my dad if, like, if I would have heard it because my dad played bass in a band. Oh yeah, like that then he would love he'd it. So fucking in. He'd be so in. Yeah. For the rest of the song, probably not, but he'd be into the bass. Right. Yeah. Next up is "Freeze Up." It took me looking at the track title to know that they were saying "Freeze Up." Okay. I didn't know. I didn't know what they were saying. There's a breeze coming. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know. Did it stop me from singing along? No. Nah. Just like when I would listen to R.E.M. and not know what the fuck he's saying. I'm just making the noises that sound similar. Right. It doesn't really matter. Did it you... does not matter in this instance. This track had perfect sing-along moments. Oh, for like, sure. I think the, the just one more political song part and having the whole crowd scream into the mic when that's happening. For sure. Would just be great. Just just one political song and everybody screaming. Oh, it would be like I, and that's another one of those aspects of I'm in it. I'm not watching. It. Right. Like I needed. To, it's more of a group aspect than me watch looking. It's not me reading a book. It's me watching a movie in a theater. Yeah. And the sad thing is, I don't think that ever happened. Yeah. Because the record release party was the last time they played together. I mean, they definitely had to have played this shit, though. Right. I would think, but it had to be only a Gilman. So you have like 50 kids, maybe max. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Next track is Artificial Life. 
Now, the way that you talk about loving like a pick scrape or yes. like a rim shot yep. with the with the, with the with a drumstick, mm-hmm. I think I that's how I feel about inhales. Oh yeah. When I hear his inhales in between certain words, You're like, oh, he's I not a machine. <laughs> yes. I love it. And I, 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 as soon as I heard it, I was like, that's how he feels when he hears that pick scrape. Yeah. I know 100%. It. I know it. It, it just, it does something to me. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It it's it's that, you know, it's an actual person. Yes. Like it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not, that's the thing. It's that lo-fi recording kind of thing because nowadays inhales would be clipped out, right? Using pro tools. That's not and, perfect. Yeah, unless so we're going to clip it out. Unless it was a, part of the track unless it was like built to be there right and because there are unless it was radioactive by imagine dragons okay next track (laughs) is room without a window can't see out suicidal tendencies vibes again i think it's just that spoken word thing because that's probably the first time i heard it was on institutionalized oh yeah this shit kind of reminds me in the chorus of have you listened to di the band old punk band di Mm -mm. this the track richard hung himself I've never heard it. It sounded so much like that that it made me want to go back and look into DI and see. And I think the album that Richard hung himself on came out in like 84. Oh, wow. Okay. So you could, you, I I could in my head, I was like, oh, they got a little bit of inspiration from over here. For sure. All right. And I loved that track so much. And it, it, that's another era of punk that I didn't really like get into or know anything about right so early 80s kind of stuff yeah might might look into that but yeah. i love i love it next track big city good with a period <laughs> good this is what i got it's, it's good it's good <laughs> and then the closer is missionary and i just have any track could really be the closer yeah Th- this track is great but it's a punk album so the track list doesn't even really matter yeah anything could have closed this to be honest with you yeah you could throw it on you could put this entire record on random and, yeah, and once I did that, it was the same album. Yeah, it's like, the same thing. Nothing, there's no changes. There's no, it's all, they all sound the same, but they're all different. Yeah. Like you hear a song and you're like, oh, this is this song. Like still recognizing the song yep. within there is, is, it says something about how good these tracks are. I agree with you. Any track could be mixed up on this album and it would still have its place. The only thing that I really enjoy is Knowledge being the first track. I think that being knowledge, the first track, opening it. yeah, opening the record. It's just like, that's where that song needs to be. I feel like the only no go for me would be to start the album with either of the spoken word. That That's the only no for me. Okay. Like if either of those tracks started it, I don't, I, I it wouldn't feel the same, yeah. but any, anything else I'm fine with. Or one of these days, like one of these days could actually be chopped from the record. In my opinion, <laughs> I agree, but I agree. I, I wouldn't want it starting or ending the record there's a couple that blew by that i was just like you could take that off and it wouldn't really affect anything yeah. but my top three sure let's go number three it's room without a window okay i i love probably just because i love the suicide tendencies vibes i love the di vibes there's still the operation ivy slash rancid ska punk in there oh yeah I like that a lot yeah number two um man i Dude, I had such a hard time coming up with a top three on this record. Yeah, I'm going to go Unity just because of, you know, how good that fucking track is. Yeah. We, we talked about that a little bit. Oh, yeah. And then number one, I think, has to be Bad Town. I can't can't, <laughs> can't get away from that. It's just I just it's one of my favorite sing alongs on this whole album. Sure. And I think that's what this album is sent to do is to sing along with. Yeah. So you listening off those three. I'm definitely. Yep, that could be it. That could be it. I'm I'm good with really I'm good with almost any track on this record. Like this record definitely holds like a spot in my soul. Like this yeah. this thing is part of me. I did come up with a top three, but for real, it could be any any damn song. You have, you have a top nineteen. I for real. I have a top eighteen. <laughs> like I said, one one of these days could go, but yeah. <laughs> number three, sound system. I love that song. Definitely has the sing-along quality but i can't quite sing along like i just yeah. love the fact that i can't sing along to it no matter how hard i try no matter how hard i study the lyrics i just can't get it down jesse michaels is just awesome on this track uh number two is caution i love the spelling out the the word that's such a like you said it's such a sing-along moment c-a-u-t-i-o-n's a word i could not understand i love that yeah. And then my number one, of course, is knowledge. Like I said, I, I couldn't see this record opening up any other kind of way. It's one of the only Operation Ivy songs that I've heard live, even though it wasn't Operation Ivy playing it. Yes. 
Yeah, it's just that's dude, that's such a good track. Like I remember hearing it for the first time. Like I remember that kid giving the CD to me, me putting in my disc man, hitting play, and that song just kicking off. And I was like, it's kind of like an epiphany moment. Like, sure, I was I was already listening to Suicide Machines, but like this is where that sound started. Like this is where it got its roots. And like just that opening, dude. Oh, like every time memory. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like it's, it's, it was it's fantastic like i love that song it's probably in my lifetime top 10 favorite songs so other than bring this to me because of how much it means to you was there a bit of you much like uh, well there was a different album you gave to me that was like a test for other things this uh, oh it was a pavement record right, the pavement yeah. record was like a test for other things was this like a test a bit for ska not really. This was kind of okay. like, I was going to wait until you like gave me your throne on or groan. Okay. I could do now if you want to go ask for that. it because operation Ivy doesn't have another album. Yeah. And because this thing is as good as it is. Mm-hmm. And because I have ranted, it's only an own. Yeah. I can't put this on the throne because I feel like listening to rancid. I get what I want. So I don't know why I need to I, I don't know why I would go back and listen to what influenced them that doesn't have exactly what I want all the time. Sure. And if I if I experienced Operation Ivy before Rancid, I probably would not feel the same way. Yeah. But because I went backwards, it's it feels like something's missing as opposed to it's the beginning of, you know, it's the part A to what B needs. Right. So it's an own. OK, it's a definite own, but it's it's a it's a high own. Yeah. Like it, it's close to throne. But that the closest of throne does not implicate how much money I would spend on this. Right. Like I'm, I don't know if I don't know if I, you know, there's there's a definite limit oh, to what sure. I would pay to, to get this thing. Yeah. So this record was one I was keeping in my back pocket as a positive record for you. Like okay. I had a, I had, this was the Mountain Goats that you gave to me, like knowing that okay. I would dig that record. All right. This was a record. I know your feelings on Rancid. I had like, it's 19 songs in 36 minutes. So none of them are long. There's no guitar solos, really. (laughs) There's one instrumental song that's not quite an instrumental song. I was like, there's no way he's not going to like this record. So it sounds to me like you're building me up to drop something huge on me next week. (laughs) No, no. Like, I mean, I can't. I mean, we could say it was a ska test, but it's not really. Like, this was just like. For real, I didn't know what to give you as far as experimenting, and this is a record that I've had in my back pocket for you that I figured you would appreciate at least. So yeah, I threw it out at you. And I appreciate it, and I did, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I'm glad. I love this record. I'm, I'm glad you liked it. After the breakup of the band, Dave Mello went on to perform in the punk band Schlong with his brother Pat and singer Gavin. He's currently drumming in the punk band Kicker from Oakland, California. Jesse Michaels went on to form the band Common Rider, who released a 7-inch EP and two studio albums. He then collaborated with the indie punk group Hard Girls in 2008 and formed the punk band Classics of Love. They released a six-song EP in 2009 and a full-length in 2012. Lint, Tim Armstrong, and Matt McCall, Freeman, went on to form the massive punk band Rancid, who released two EPs, nine full-length studio albums, and have gone on to be credited as being among the wave of bands that revived mainstream interest in punk rock. Agreed. Yeah. I agree with that last sentence without a doubt. Because oh, yeah. Rancid was one of those that, like, if you were a punk, you knew Rancid. You, you listened to Rancid. You had Rancid patches. Yeah, I feel like Rancid was the bridge between old punks and then the pop punk that ended up coming out. If pop punk was more like Rancid, I would like pop punk more. But it's definitely went a different direction. Right. Pop punk now is different. So Operation Ivy's energy was an own for me. High high end own, you said. High end own. <laughs> it was a high end own. Yes, it was. What else were you listening to this week? Man, I'm still torn about whether I'm going to give you this record later on or not because I... I love this record, and this is so not necessarily a Scott record. But I was—I mean, listen- you could just lay it down and not talk about it. Yeah, I'm going to—I'm going to give it to you right now. Record of the week is Sleep Tokens' record. This place will become your tomb. I don't know what any of those words mean. Sleep token, I have never heard before. But you and I have talked about the record store day coming up. 
Mm-hmm. And in that list of record store days, which we'll probably do a mini on in a little bit, Sleep Token has a record on there. And I don't know why, but I gravitated towards the words Sleep Token because, I don't know, it's kind of a weird it thing. Cool. It sounds cool. I found out they released a record, I think it was last year, this record that came out. And I was like, I'll give it a shot. And heard heard one song. And I was like, that is different. I need to hear the rest of it. And then went on a journey. I'll give you one thing that should definitely not be a Scott thing, but I actually love it. There is an acapella auto-tuned song. Oh. Yeah, that was my reaction. Your face that you're making right now, I know these people can't see it, but I can. That was my reaction at first. Oh, they can hear it. They can hear it. (laughs) That's two words together that are not but the crazy thing this dude it works this singer has an amazing voice in my opinion i think he has a great voice and then you throw the auto-tune on an amazing voice the auto-tune becomes an instrument so it doesn't sound like an acapella song it just it sounds full like a full formed song but it's just this guy's voice making that so it dude it hey man you're talking to a t-pain fan i'm an auto-tune guy from way back Right, but this is, this is like beyond T Pain. Like, oh, dude, I don't like. I want you to actually listen to this. I'm not going to give it to you because the band is crazy. They are full of theatrics, and how I've okay. talked about, like, I don't dig the theatric part. They have masks. They're completely anonymous. Nobody knows any of these band members, dude. I went out. I like. I searched the record. I have the record. Like, I bought it real quick. Uh, the special blue version. But yeah, dude, I've, I've been obsessed with this like since I found it. I've listened to it every single day, multiple times a day. And it's not a U record. Huh? Yeah. Interesting. I I would not, on initial listen, have considered it a me record. Okay. So my record of the week, yeah. which hasn't really stopped spinning since it came out. Like I can't stop playing it. I Even when I try to get away from it, I keep revisiting it. It's Conway the Machine's recent album released on Shady Records, God Don't Make Mistakes. Yeah. And it's so personal. It's, it's so, so it's so emotional. It is yeah. it is so heartfelt and still has like some spooky griminess. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's it's really interesting. It's a it's great really mix of all that that you just said. Like yeah. even when the record started out and you hear that that beat drop and he's like that's real spooky man like he even says the words that's real spooky and i was like it is real spooky and then the it's so good yeah it's It's so so good good. i don't there's not a skip on it like it's just the whole thing is great and i'm glad to see he's getting recognition for it like he's getting people are paying attention to the name conway the machine now like people are mentioning conway the machine which we already were but we know, but there's big, there's people. another level. Yeah. Yeah. There's another level of, of fan that are learning who Conway the machine is. Yeah. And I mean the same, and I don't, you know, it's not really comparing them, but Benny the butcher with that J Cole track, like he's getting oh, yeah. recognition too, which good. I'm all these they should too. Yeah. <laughs> they all should. They definitely should that uh, dude. Yeah. I loved that TI feature on that record. Yeah. Oh, I, I like grandfather TI where I he's love, just like trying I to love Papa TI. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It's 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 a different type of TI, yeah. but it also works. Right. And then yeah, Conway with his like some of these songs were super personal. Like that stuff about his Very his son. Personal. I didn't know the that. Son, yeah, about him like thinking talking about his injury, yeah. injury. His his accident. Yeah. I mean, nope. if, his, his shooting is shot. Yeah. For, him being shot in the neck and head yeah. and talking about the hospital. Yeah, it's yeah. it's wild. It's, it's a really wild crazy. record. It's so good. Like I agree with you 100%. He is the best in the game right now in my opinion. I think he's just phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. With this drop, without a doubt, this yeah. this is hip hop album of the year right now, without a doubt. Yeah, you don't. But we'll see what happens. Uh, see what happens. Tana Talk Four is coming out, so we'll see. <laughs> I mean, I agree. We'll see, but you can never disc. You can never ignore a drop from a Griselda artist. Just, That's you for can't sure. Do it. I, I think. <laughs> I think we've learned that in the last like three years that seventeen Griselda records have dropped. <laughs> yeah, and of the seventeen, all at of the them. least. 
16 of them are good right. because you didn't like Versace tape. No, I didn't. I God, I hated that record. It was <laughs> Boldy should have just left that one on the cutting room floor, in my opinion. Okay. All that's left is for me to give you what we're listening to yeah. next week. Yeah, give it to me. And we're going a, a drastically different direction than Operation Ivy. <laughs> we're going a different direction. We're going in a direction that we haven't been near this direction since the second episode. I was wondering when we were going to get to this. I I questioned giving you a hip hop record last week. That's what's happening. Yeah, that's I kind of figured this thing and this could break bad. This could be awful. And (laughs) I'm hoping not. But the much in the way the pavement record was a test for certain things for me of like a, a, a sound of a time and things like that. Yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, other than a few records here and there, mm-hmm. you weren't listening to a lot of hip hop in 2009. Is that correct? I mean, I've always had like had my hands in it a little bit, but 2009. But not, but I mean, like you probably weren't into mainstream hip hop. Probably in not. No, I've never been. And now this is mainstream with an asterisk. Okay. You, you'll, you'll understand what all these mysterious sayings mean <laughs> after a while. Sure. But the album I'm giving you is the 2009 album from Ace Hood called Ruthless. Okay. And there's features galore on this thing, but it definitely has the sound of a time and of a very particular type of like hip hop at the time. Sure. And then there's also there's also moments on here that it sounds like a different type of hip hop of the time. Okay. All this will make sense. All <laughs> this will make sense. But this is also a kind of a test because there's, a, there's a few things on this album that I want to see your opinions on. And then it'll judge what goes on this list and where things okay. go on this list. But I'm, I, I had to, I re-listened to it yesterday coming off of Ace Hood's last album that I just need to talk to somebody about Ace Hood because <laughs> there's some, I just need to have a conversation. Sure. It, I was either going to give you his first or his second albums because they both, I love them both so much. Mm-hmm. I think the first one, it's, it's longer and it might be a little denser. Okay. It might be a little harder for you to get into. I think maybe the sound, I think this one might be a little easier for you to, you know, get with as opposed, and then we can move elsewhere. But I think this is the one that we need to go with is ruthless by Ace hood from 2009. All right. And let's hope that these two visitors in the hip hop community don't (laughs) bring shame upon this podcast. See, that's what I was worried about (laughs) with like giving you a hip hop record because I, I definitely have some on the list that I want to give to you, but I'm like, I'm so hesitant because my, my hip hop is not necessarily yours because I am definitely more of a, I don't want to say I'm more of a lyrical genius. You still connect. It's you, you, you're still trying to connect with your hip hop a lot of the times. Whereas. Yeah. Mine isn't like the pop hip hop. Like I'm not like, I was never into the like heavy chains and like the glamor and glitz of hip hop. The closest I got to that was Jay-Z, which he did his fair share, which is also why you don't, like if if we want to touch on Griselda again for a second, it's also why your least favorite of the original trio is West Side Gun. Yeah, because He's, he is the it's the opulence, it's yeah. the the money, it's the. And I'm I'm gonna tell you now, mm-hmm. the album I gave you is it's it's some opulence. Okay, so well, I'm just I'm not necessarily against it. Like not, yeah. and not you're, really. And you're, this will be the. I'm imagining this is probably the first time you're going to go into an album like this, listening to it the way you do for the show. Probably, like you, yeah. Like, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, and I I hope you get out of this what I think you can. Okay. Like when I was listening to when I was listening to it yesterday, mm-hmm. I just kept thinking like, like looking at things in my head, pointing at things that I think you'd get down with. Sure. I just think there might be some things that will get in your way. It's okay. if you're going to get through the things that get in your way. That's that's the issue. Right. You have to dodge the obstacles. <laughs> <I gotcha. laughs> There's a big, huge diamond in the road. I got to get around. Yeah, so Operation Ivy's Energy was a high-end phone yeah, for we me. We're going to be listening to Ace Hood's Ruthless Stokes. for next week, and I, I, I hope it goes <laughs> a certain way. I'm expecting it to go a different way, <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. And at the bare minimum, it will make for an exciting episode. There we go. Listen to us at anywhere podcasts are available yep we do that tell your uncle tell your cousin about <laughs> us follow us on twitter at ayl pod send us an email at are you listening dot pod at gmail.com yep 
join the Facebook group. The link will be in the show notes. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thank thank everybody for listening. Thank you for listening to Operation Ivy with me. Thank you for giving me Operation Ivy. And thank you for joining me on this Are You Listening spaceship that we're... <laughs> that we're currently on. Yeah, that we're currently on. <laughs> the only thing left is the, the, the question is, is um, are you listening? Are you listening? Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. <laughs> no, no more. No, bad town. I said the one that came before Dookie was pee pee, and I hate myself for it. <laughs>